everyone welcome back to this week's episode sorry it is a day late for any of you that don't follow me on social media i apologize i have been dropping the ball the last couple of weeks but i am very happy to still get an episode out this week for you guys so today as the title suggests we have hannah with us hannah is a og listener who's been around with infertility sisters since day one and as someone that I've chatted to a lot back and forth, uh, Lydia recognised her name straight away. Yeah, and Hannah's actually been trying for a very, very similar time as I have. Uh, started a month or two after us and has been through quite the journey. So she is, or her and her partner do fall in the unexplained infertility category, which I feel like we've been touching on a little bit more lately. And yeah, she's been through all the tests and been through all the ovulation induction, IOI, IVF, transfers, and is yet to have their baby or have that positive outcome. And she takes us right through all of those steps. It's been a lot, and I'm very grateful for her for being vulnerable and sharing with us. There's quite a bit of laughter throughout this episode, which I do quite enjoy. And, you know, as I was listening to it tonight, I was just thinking, you know, laughter is medicine and yes we are talking about a really heavy topic and you know this has been a lot for Hannah and her husband in the last three years but you don't laugh you cry so laughter is what gets a lot of us through and I think this will be really enjoyable for you guys to listen to because of that lightheartedness that Hannah does bring to the episode again even though it's a heavy topic so yeah let's bring Hannah in Cool. All right, Hannah, do you want to firstly tell us a bit about yourself and your partner? Yeah, so um, my name is Hannah Sawakai and I am 32 and I live with my husband Dietrich who is 40 in a few months and um, we live with my parents in Christchurch and my brother and sister-in-law and their little baby Izzy. Oh, you all live together. Yeah, yep, yep. It wasn't like when we moved down from Auckland, we were, it was just going to be for a little while, but it's, you know, with everything that I'm about to talk about, it's, yeah, sort of changed the plans. But we, yeah, we really love living with them. So that's oh, awesome. so nice. You've got your family around you. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about your personal history with birth control and things yep. like that before we get into your story? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I started birth control probably about a uh, a year before I got married so like I was actually a really um like out of all my friends a lot of them started when they were quite young but I was I must have been about 24 when I started so um when my husband and I got married I was a virgin so I hadn't needed to like be on birth control prior to that so I just wanted my body to get used to it a little bit I really didn't know much about it but I just decided yeah sure this is what everyone else does so I'll do that so I was on it for probably about two years um and then decided to come off it just to let my body sort of um I don't know recalibrate I guess um I was on the mini pill so yeah, it was a bit more expensive, but I, I, yeah, I didn't really have any adverse effects, side effects with that. So that was good. But yeah, just decided because, you know, I thought, yeah, we'll have babies in the next couple of years. I'll just let my body just like get used to not having those hormones in my body. Um, so yeah, so that it was probably only about two and a half years that I actually had them. So. And had you had normal cycles quote-unquote normal cycles yeah leading up to going on birth control and then again when you came off yeah well I thought I did so I always sort of had like a 28 day cycle but then um I did always have quite a lot of period pain so I got my period when I was about 13 and like ever since then just had like really bad period pain um it was always like not super super heavy but 
it was um, always really painful and, but yeah, always seemed to be about 28 to 30 days. So it was pretty regular, but just sore and painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what had the conversations been like about what your ideal family would look like once you did get married and start trying? (laughs) Um, So... Well, for both Dietrich and I, um, we, we've both li- grown up in big families. So I've got six siblings. Um, my husband's got three, but his mum is the eldest of 13. Um, wow. So like really big families, used to like living with lots of people. And um, I just always knew I wanted to have a big family. Um, my mum said she was the same, like ever since like childhood, just like always very maternal and I was like that too so just always really wanted a big family I think we probably said like four or five and Dietrich would always say we'll just start with one and then see how you go because you know it's going to be your body and stuff um but it's so funny to think back on those conversations now like I just feel like oh man I was so naive like I just really had no idea so yeah I think that's sort of it in a nutshell we both did really want a big family maybe four or five so yeah (laughs) yeah it's always good to start with that because it does play into people's journey like mm. how their mm-hmm. what their ideal is and when we're talking yeah. you know like the fertility clinics talk about what does your family look like not just getting mm. that one child it's like what do you yep. want and that can really yeah. impact what course you take yeah yeah definitely yeah oh so what happened when you did decide to start trying yeah, so we decided to try um, in May of 2020. So obviously that was the year the world turned upside down. And it's kind of funny thinking back to then as well, because I remember saying to my best friend the other day, like we just had no idea, like literally in March that year, I was thinking, oh, we could start trying now, but, you know, we'll probably get pregnant straight away and look at what the world's like now. And like, you know, just sort of like expecting it to happen straight away. And so we did wait a couple of months and then, yeah, so we try, started trying it about May and yeah, we just, I just totally thought that it was going to happen, you know, straight away. I, it sort of had happened like that for most of the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I remember ringing my best friend and telling her and then she was like, oh my gosh, me too. Like I'm, we're trying now too. And so it was literally like days apart that we first, started, you know, started trying with our respective husbands. But um, yeah, and so I went to my GP um, and said to her, look, we've decided we're going to start trying for a baby. And she obviously gave us um, uh, some folic acid and then also said, I, I still remember her saying like, I think because maybe we'd been trying for about three months by then and she said, oh, you know, I'd be so surprised if you came back after six months and told me that you still weren't pregnant. Like, you know, it's just, of course you will sort of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And she wasn't giving me false hope. I think it was just sort of like for most people that's the case. I was young. There was Mm -hmm. no reason for me to not conceive. And so, yeah, so we, we did that. And then we just, yeah, kept trying um and month after month just negative tests I think it was about 10 months into it that she said to us that like we we went back and she said that she would be able to like start some tests and stuff which I was really grateful for because I think I'd heard that it was usually about 12 months that they Mm -hmm. for someone my age um that they would start to you know look, look into testing and and be a little bit concerned um, so we were grateful that she started that a little bit early. Yeah, so we did uh, just all the normal testing, I guess. Um, I don't think we did AM- AMH quite then, but just like lots of blood tests to check for ovulation. And I remember like freaking out and being like, oh my gosh, like what if I'm not ovulating? And she was like, oh, don't worry. Like that's actually a pretty good thing, you know, to, to easy not be to overcome. Easy to, yeah, yeah, she was like, and then I was like, oh man, I <laughs> I, I want it to be that thing, but. No, I did actually, I was actually able to ovulate and then, yeah, so this was in March 2021 um, and then Dietrich got a sperm, had a sperm um, sample test um, and that was sort of late May and I remember really freaking out about that, thinking, oh my goodness, like, like this could be the thing, like, and, you know, and understandably because you know that's um that can be a big hurdle to overcome if if there's issues with that 
but one thing I do want to say here is that we were just so disappointed that his we have different GPs that his GP just didn't let us know so we thought like that like we waited for a whole month for those results to come back even though it had only taken a few days for them to analyze and they realized it was fine and then they filed it and didn't let us know and so for a whole month it was literally like a month and two days that we didn't know and like man we were so nervous like I just and and so then when I finally rang and they said oh yeah the, the doctors just filed them and they came back fine but I thought oh my gosh like how why would you this is such a big thing why would you not let us know um yeah so anyway so we'd freaked out for nothing oh you Um, would especially as time went on you'd be like oh something's wrong I know that's what we thought and so yeah it was pretty anxiety inducing but anyway we ended up coming back fine when you were trying all this time did you understand when you were ovulating and when you should be having sex did you know that you were doing all of that right Yes, I think we did. Like I definitely, I think we were doing, I can't remember when we started doing the ovulation sticks. I started with the basal um, body temperature thing and just gave up because it was just too hard to do it at the same time every day. But yeah, I think we did the ovulation sticks sometimes and then I'd look out for like the cervical mucus and that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm pretty sure we were timing everything fine and and like I said because my cycle was pretty much 28 days I did kind of know roughly when it was going to be um that's good so yeah and then yeah and then my AMH uh my doctor my GP got me to do the AMH test and I remember being really nervous about that as well um and that came back fine I think I was 17 so that's like the lower end of normal for my age so I wasn't like you know over the moon about it but I was grateful that it was it was you know pretty good yeah Um, and then yeah and then in early June we had another appointment with my GP um, who is just absolutely amazing I just love her and we just talked about next steps and then that's when she made the referral to um, Fertility Associates. How did you feel taking that step to go into a fertility clinic had you kind of prepared yourself that that's where you were heading? Yeah, I felt really gutted. Eh? Like it was a big, um, a big thing to grieve. I think I, I think for a few months I was a bit in denial about it. Yeah, I was really upset that we had got to that point. And I mean, you know, then it sort of been just over a year, but it just felt like, yeah, no, that hadn't really been happening to anyone else around me, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess I was sort of like, you know, why, why us, why me? And it just seemed so like scary, like, whoa, going to a specialist, like what's wrong, you know, and also confusing. Cause we're like, okay, so all the tests are coming back fine, but then we have to go to a specialist. Like, yeah. So it was daunting. And, and yeah, I remember being like really gutted about it actually. Yeah. Yeah. And what about those few months um, or year of, then those negative tests and things were that really impacting you when your period was arriving or you were getting those negative yeah. tests yeah yeah definitely I like looking back I'm like I, I I don't know I don't think I knew that something was going to be wrong but I just remember thinking like I think I'm going to have a bit of like of an issue because I just felt and my sister said that to me too she was like it's almost like you kind of knew something was not right because my reaction to each of those months was kind of like I don't know probably more like not exaggerated because I wasn't putting it on but more sort of like I don't know I was getting probably more upset than maybe what people would think so oh it's only in your first year but I was just like gutted every time and you know what it's like like every month that it says no for you it's yes for someone else and so you're constantly getting these messages from people you know telling them telling you their good news which is obviously so exciting for them but just like feels like salt in the wound for you and then you've got to have your period for the next six or seven days and you know like it's just this constant disappointment so yeah I I did really struggle that first year yeah definitely yeah I think that uh, that whole time can be really underrated with how emotional it is because Mm -hmm. you you know a friend said to me that's going through it at the moment you're literally living cycle by cycle right Mm -hmm. from the start when it doesn't happen in those first three months it's like oh most people would have got pregnant by now you start being like doing your 
ovulation mm-hmm. sticks you know you kind of start doing that after three months and then it's yeah. like literally living cycle by cycle those yeah. two weeks leading up mm-hmm. timing sex and then being hopeful and then having that dash yeah. having mm-hmm. your period is a stupid reward that makes no <laughs> I know. sense I know right and then trying again it's like you've got to quickly yeah. turn around and get hopeful again mm-hmm. and it's really really hard yeah yeah I agree it's I do really feel like that like my whole life is just controlled by the cyclical like 28 days of just like yeah just absolute roller coaster it's just yeah it's it's crazy really yeah it is okay how did that first appointment with Patelli Associates go yeah it went pretty well like our specialist was she yeah, it was nice enough. She just asked us a whole heap of questions. It was mainly just a lot about our history and yeah, just lots of questions and obviously going through our notes from the GP and stuff like that. I think it was relatively short, but I think from the the conversation that we had, she was already able to ascertain that we would be good candidates for starting um, ovulation induction, even though I ovulated. So I, I did find that a little bit confusing. But so we actually started that exact day because I just happened to be on like day three of my cycle when I was there. And she was like, oh, sweet. I'll give you the prescription. Now you can start tonight. So I was like, okay. Like it was quite intense to just start it on that day. But um, yeah, Yeah. so I started Letrozole that night. So that was August 2021. So I'm assuming that you sat under the unexplained infertility category with all your results coming back. So you wouldn't have scored to get on the public. No, no, no. So nothing was, yeah, I think the only thing we've got for free in this whole thing is the AMH test because our, um, the CDHB pays for that in Christchurch, but not in other places. So I saved 120 bucks, but apart from that, we've had to pay for everything. So yeah, we didn't get any points for, for anything, but we, yeah. So we just knew from then that, okay, this was something we'd have to pay for ourselves. Yeah. 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 Okay, so she gave you lectures all straight away. Yeah. How'd that, how'd that go? Yeah, it was um yeah, it was quite full on just like feeling like you're going into this appointment and then coming out like already sort of on fertility treatments. But it was it actually felt quite good to be like, okay, sweet, like we're actually we're we're getting somewhere. And back back then you're sort of like, Oh, this could be the 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 ticket. This could be like you know, this could be our answer. And so um yeah, so we took that I think for about five days and then I ended up having a transvaginal ultrasound ultrasound the first of many 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 transvaginal ultrasounds my little scan with Wanda or whatever they call it um so yeah and then unfortunately they saw that I had five follicles that had developed so obviously that was good that I was actually responding to the medication but I over responded so um unfortunately that cycle was cancelled so yeah I remember being a bit gutted back then but I sort of look back and I'm like oh man you had no idea honey like it was just gonna it's just gonna get worse from there but yeah and it's kind of like you're getting good news like you responded yes. really well yeah. and it's like oh yay yeah. but that means yeah we can't proceed and so I can understand that yeah. that was like oh how do I how should I feel right now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the way that they sort of talked to me about it sort of made it a little bit funny, which made me feel a little bit better because they were sort of like, if you've got five follicles and like somehow all of them get fertilized, like, you know, you could have quintuplets, like, and so I was sort of like in a bit of a humorous way. So I I, I was okay. But yeah, I, I definitely remember feeling um, disappointed. And then the next month we must have had like, some COVID restrictions that meant that I can't remember that must have been the August August yeah that must have been when we had another lockdown and then so the next month was cancelled as well so that was yeah a bit gutting and I think you know people who have been on this a similar journey understand that like a month doesn't sound like too long to some people but a month is so so long like it it's potentially 30 or more days of like you know grieving something and like and and when you get to the point of of trying to conceive I I feel like this for me anyway we were so ready it wasn't like we were like cool like we'll be ready in the next couple of years it's like we're ready we're ready yesterday so like every month 
is just putting off this dream that you've had your whole life and it's gutting it's like this constant disappointment after disappointment and so you know a month just felt like an eternity every time something gets pushed back you know people say oh it's only a few weeks it's only a month but it's like it's it's not really just a month when you're struggling the month on top of all the previous months as well as the lack of control of the reason that it was cancelled as well that's really hard to wrap your head around yeah definitely yeah 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 COVID really played a part the more people I talk to it's like you understand how many people are impacted yeah yeah did you get to do another round after that yeah so we did three monitored cycles um so for anyone who doesn't know what the difference is between monitored and unmonitored so monitors monitored is just when you go in each month for the um, trans uh, transvaginal ultrasound to check for the follicles to make sure that they've given you the right dosage of letrozole or clomiphene or clomid or whatever you get and then unmonitored is when they're, they're pretty clear pretty happy with the dosage that they've given you and you can sort of they just give you the date rough dates that you should be having sex and then yeah you're you're away laughing um so we did yeah three monitored cycles and yeah they all obviously you know didn't work and then I think um we did I can't remember how many unmonitored but like quite a few so I was on letrozole for like maybe over a year how did letrozole impact you did you notice much Mm -hmm. I I had like just some pretty small side effects. I had I got a bit of nausea. I got night sweats. I I got some headaches. Okay, so it doesn't sound that. <laughs> it doesn't sound that it's much. Not that minor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and one thing I do remember is I actually slept really well on letrozole, which is weird. So yeah, I just feel really tired and then sleep really well. So uh, yeah. But apart from that, I'm like that. Yeah. Oh, you like medication? That not necessarily on yeah. well, but when I'm on medication, yeah. I generally sleep really well. And I did the same when oh. I was pregnant. I just slept so yeah. well. It's like the hormones just knock me out. And yes. I'm just yeah. up to it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting to know you, that happened to you too. Yeah. So I just yeah, from about August to December, I was on that, and then on December 25th, so Christmas Day, I, ha- I ended up having a really unfortunate situation where I thought that I was pregnant because I uh, mistake I mis- mistook the um, I think it was clear blue uh, pregnancy test but it, and I thought it was positive but it was actually the evaporation line mm-hmm. that gets people and yeah. I didn't know back then that that's quite common to happen and I just remember being like shaking on the floor like taking this video being like oh, I am pregnant on Christmas morning like I was seriously like shaking I was so excited I was like I'm gonna go out and tell Dietrich who's in the lounge it's Christmas morning like you know I I, I don't know why but I just I, I got so excited and um and also my period was quite late I think it was about six or seven days late so I did have reason to sort of believe um that it was potentially that and so yeah so so that was really exciting until later on that morning I started to get spotting and then really bad cramping um and so all my hopes were dashed and then I had to go to Christmas lunch with three pregnant family members and it was hard it was probably the worst Christmas ever like it was yeah it was really really hard I just yeah it was just a difficult day I think I just had gone from yeah feeling over the moon to just really really gutted um and I think on Christmas like I don't know what it's like for other people but I think it's always been a really hard day for me when we've been going through this because it's just you're sort of expected to kind of be happy and excited and like joyous and things like that and I just felt yeah just I I I was pretty down and got to a pretty sort of dark place and then Anyway, anyway, where I was going with that is that that night I had like a, a terrible period where I bled through everything that I was wearing and ended up having to ring Healthline on Boxing Day and um, sort of let them know. And yeah, so they, they weren't sure what happened. You know, the, the man on the phone said that it, it could have potentially been like a, a missed miscarriage or something like that. But I, I, I'm sort of choosing to believe that maybe it was just that, you know, evaporation line and I may have just 
not you know I may have just seen this line and it actually wasn't um pregnant but it was just a really hard couple of days and mm. you know when, when you're like bleeding so heavily as well like it's just taking a lot out of you as well so it was just yeah it was a pretty low low time for us so we decided to just take a break from Letrozole just in case it was that that was causing me to bleed like that. So I'm not saying that that's what Letrozole does. But for me, I don't know whether that was like just playing havoc with my body because I'd never had anything like that before. So it probably was a mental state of being like, okay, let's just change something or give ourselves a break, whatever it was that you decided to do. Exactly. Yeah, we gave ourselves um, a break. So we didn't didn't do anything in, in January. And then in February, that must have been February 2002. Oh no, sorry, March, we ended up having a follow-up appointment to talk about the next steps with our fertility specialist. And she pretty much told us that the next sort of part of the pathway would be to go to IUI. So yeah, so that's what we did. Um, Had you done much kind of investigating on what your next step was going to be? Because I guess it's hard. You like you were already ovulating. You're on yeah. Letrozole to help yeah. you ovulate with something you're already doing. Your husband's yeah. sperms come back fine. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. well, you could give them a helping hand. Did you prepare yourself for that? That would be the next step? Yeah, I think I did. Like they give you that pathways to a child yeah. <laughs> little booklet at Fertility Associates. And so I sort of had gathered that that would probably be the next step. And again, I thought, oh my gosh, this is probably it. Like this is, you know, this is probably it. We're just going to, I'm going to get inseminated and I'm going to be pregnant. So, yeah, so we ended up doing a tubal patency scan first. Um, so I think it's called a sonohistogram, histogram, something like that. And that's when they check the fallopian tubes. They do the saline dye. And that they ended up coming back. Uh, the, the specialist said that they were beautiful. She described them as beautiful. So I was just like, oh, my gosh, we just keep getting back these, like, positive things from my tests, but still just no luck with conception so that was good news but also incredibly painful like out of all of the things that we did I think that was definitely the most painful so for anyone else that's going to get it definitely recommend the Panadol that they suggest beforehand because it is yeah sore and then they also realized that I had some cysts on my right ovary um so they just had to keep an eye on them and thought that they would probably pass naturally I did so, yeah. wonder when you said before about your heavy bleeding and yeah, period if it was a cyst. Um, yeah, yeah. I wonder quite common, I especially them. when you're on letrozole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I wonder whether I did have them earlier and just not not know. But um, yeah. So then in April 2021, um, we started IUI, and around this time. I sort of thought it was important to say I ended up developing like pretty severe anxiety. So something that I hadn't really, you know, experienced before, little bits here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I ended up really sort of unwell and I, yeah, I ended up losing a whole heap of weight, like about eight kgs in a few weeks and not eating properly, waking at 4am every morning. And I think it was a mixture of probably the hormones that were like, you know, rushing around my body and then the stress of it all and I think another part of it was I was teaching full-time which is obviously a really stressful job but also just feeling bad about constantly having to get time off like I don't know about other people but it was like such a, a stressful part of the journey has been doing that and my school were you know really accommodating and um really did their best to not be annoyed by that but you know it's sometimes they'd say tomorrow you've got this scan at 9am and I'd be thinking I've got 25 kids to look after at 9am like I can't you know be there and so even though school were amazing it was it was um yeah it was just really hard so uh, you still put that stress on yourself right you can't oh, help yeah. it yeah, and I, I was in a small school too, so by me not being there, that probably meant that somebody else would have to hold the fort for me, so then it's affecting other people, and yeah, so it's just, yeah, that was um, that was a really, really hard time for me, which actually led to me leaving my job in May, and I just took a few months off work, um, but continued with our, our treatments, but it did mean that that first IUI ended up being cancelled because... I actually under-responded to the medication this time and didn't have any follicles. 
um, which I just knew instantly was just the fact that I wasn't sleeping properly, eating properly. I was stressed out of my brains. And so it really showed me, hey, like you need to look after yourself and was sort of a catalyst for me going, I need to choose school or like, you know, work or or this. And obviously I chose to pursue this. So it was a really hard decision, but I think ultimately was the right one. Yeah, I can imagine if you're like losing weight really quickly, that's your body's going to be like, hang on. Where, yeah, you know, we can't carry a baby like this. So it's yeah. really normal to not yeah. ovulate when something like that happens, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, especially in such a small amount of time. And so, yeah, and then after that, um, in June, I actually ended up having seven follicles. So it was just a real sign that actually I was not doing well before that because my body so grossly under responded. And now it was like, you know, really, really over responding with yeah. seven. And I was like, oh my goodness, I was really gutted, but I sort of felt a little bit validated and like, okay, I started to look after my body again. And you made the right decision. Yeah, definitely. And still gutting that it'd been cancelled, but, and yeah, I wasn't quite as disappointed. And then in July, the same thing happened. So I had, I think five follicles. So that was cancelled. So we were just like, stuff this, we're going to Fiji. Um, so we booked a, a week in Fiji and just had the nicest time there. So, yeah. I love I, I love that. I love how many people come on here and like, yeah, you go we to just Fiji? went on a holiday. Yeah, we did a yeah. Fiji holiday. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Fiji. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was really nice. I think it was just the best thing for us. And like, weirdly enough, Oh, actually, no, I think we ended up looking at flights and it's so crazy just like looking on your flow app, trying to make sure it's going to work in with your periods. <laughs> so we found a week that we could go and um, yeah, so that was, that was really nice. And I think just exactly what the doctor ordered. So yeah. It's good for the mind and the body and you as a couple um, yeah. to get away from things. You can't ever get away from it in your mind, no. but just. Yeah, yeah it, it's very good to kind of calm things down. Exactly. Yeah. And the vitamin D, like it was just so nice to have the sun. Like I think we really, really needed that. So um yeah, no, we came back like kind of fresh and just ready to get back into it again. Uh so then in August, September and October, we did IUI that all went ahead. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, all three of those cycles um failed. So yeah, that was that was a really pretty dark time I think just it was sort of nearing the end of the year you think oh my gosh Christmas is coming up like you know every time I keep on thinking oh my goodness like that means that in three months time we can like announce to everybody that we're pregnant on Christmas day and we're gonna have this Christmas miracle and like I don't know I just I felt this real sense of sort of doom towards the end of the year that like oh man it's just another year that's gone gone by um and you know it's a lot for your body it's a lot for your mind it's a lot financially and so yeah we were pretty gutted that all three of them failed and so we were told that we could do a fourth like pay for a fourth but we just decided not to we thought I think part of it was and I think you've talked about this before just sort of taking the power back and being like no we're not going to do this like and you know someone could say oh but there was a chance that you could have that time and but like we were just, we were just at our wit's end by then. And so I think the best thing for both of us was just to go, no. And so it ended up being my husband's birthday that month. And I just like spent all the money that we would have had to spend on the IUI on him. Like, and it was just so fun and so nice. And I just, I don't regret it one bit. So yeah. I, I'm, Those, really- I'm a huge advocate for breaks, whatever they yeah. look like for people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, we just get on this train and we just go, go, go. And then it's yeah. like, hang on, I can get off this if I want for however long I choose to mm-hmm. and take my power back. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's what we did. And yeah, then in no- late, later in, in November, we had a review with our specialist and that's when she told us that um, IVF was our next step, which again, we sort of weren't surprised about. And she also mm-hmm said that should make me a referral through the public system for a laparoscopy Mm -hmm. um to check for endo so yeah I'm still on the wait list for that yeah I think that's an important thing to do like when you're in the unexplained category it's like it's just that the 
I don't believe these unexplained. I just just that the reason is found you. Yes, hundred yes, percent. That's what I'm starting to find too. Yeah, yeah. And the more you dig, the more you find. Yes, but sometimes that's necessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah to I be agree. able to get you on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't like again from the endo episode that I did with the doctor, yeah. um, with Doctor Amelia. It, it, your signs and symptoms of endo don't always equate to how much endo someone has so it's worth investigating if the person's open to it yeah yeah Yeah, definitely yeah I think it's probably a long time coming and I looking back I probably should have advocated for myself a bit better to sort of push for that earlier on because I I think that I have about four pretty big symptoms of endo that I just think yeah I, I really would not be surprised if I had it um when I hopefully get that surgery soon so yeah um so what did it feel like going into IVF was there ever any hesitation about doing it or was it just do what we need to to get the outcome that we want I think it was there was a bit of hesitation I think I never thought that we would get to this point like I never thought that we would end up doing IVF I just thought like everything else before that would sort of lead us to our baby I I really yeah I hoped that it wouldn't happen and so I think I really had to grieve doing it before we we started IVF and yeah it's sort of funny the different reactions that people have when you're when you sort of share that you're doing IVF and like obviously people are well-meaning and they and they want to be positive and and they're trying to say the right thing but I did have a couple of people sort of say like oh my gosh congratulations and it was just so jarring for me because I just there was nothing in me that felt excited I mean of course there's a part of you that's like okay cool we're going forward we're doing something like we're we're working on it like you know there's a chance this could work but I think sometimes people from the outside think that that IVF just equals a baby and I think you've talked about this before as well but Um, I think we just have to be really careful how we talk about it because it kind of builds it up to be this thing that like oh this is 100% you're going to have a baby and so I think for me yeah I think people were really well-meaning when they said that but it was a a big thing for us to process and overcome and yeah so I would I would encourage people to just be careful what they said and maybe just like even ask someone how do you feel about that instead of is that what you're going to say? Yeah, yeah, like instead of projecting how they feel about it onto yeah. you, ask yes. how you feel about yeah. it so that they can yeah. respond in the right manner or you can have a conversation Definitely. about it. Definitely, because yeah. you might be feeling eight different things about it like there could have been excitement in there but it definitely wasn't the first word that I would think of when I thought of doing IVF like I was like schedulous like it's it's a really scary sort of thing and so um well you know it, part of it is is scary and so yeah I I grieved it and then we realized okay well this is this is what we need to do and thankfully we had savings that we'd you know head towards a house <laughs> um that we decided to use for that so in January this year we went for another holiday in the Gold Coast like stuff it before we go to IVF we're gonna do another holiday so we we went over there and had a couple of weeks over there that was just really like cup filling for us with family and then when we came back in February was when we did the egg, uh sorry not the egg retrieval the injections yeah mm-hmm. how were you with injections um, I really surprised myself. So I thought that I was going to be really, really nervous. But um, Tetrick did a couple for me in the beginning. And then I actually quite like, I don't know if it was kind of sadistic, but like, I actually quite enjoyed doing it. Like not enjoyed, but like, I didn't mind it. Um, yeah. and I think the, I think when I say I enjoyed it, I think I had a sense of like, a control of being able to do it like okay this is something that I can do for myself and I I guess I felt a little bit proud of myself that you know I was able to do it by myself if I needed to because when we'd done trigger shots for the IUI I couldn't do it my sister who's a nurse did it for me and so this time I was like no I'm going to learn to do it definitely would recommend for people who haven't done it yet the ice packs because I didn't do it for the first couple of days and then when I did ice packs I was like oh this is so much better so yeah I would help it was okay. I think it was the the emotional burden of it that was worse than the physical. And something that someone did really special for me was, and I'm probably going to tear up, but my sister actually bought me a gift 
for the first day that I started injections, which was so beautiful. She bought me a little jelly cat that I um that I've been wanting that I always dreamed of having for a little baby and wrapped that up and it was just so beautiful like it was just such a practical way to be like I see you like I'm here for you and just like kind of like a little hope gift or a little faith gift that one day I'll be able to use it you know for a baby but um yeah so that was really special so yeah it, it was actually surprisingly okay it was an emotional time but I felt really held and seen and yeah what medication did they have you on? Do you remember? Yeah, so I had Gonal F and mm-hmm. Galatran. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Yeah, so I had those two. And then I had a third that sounded like a dinosaur, something dactyl or something, as the trigger shots later on before the egg okay. retrieval. Yeah. 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 And how did you go throughout it? What was the first scan like? Yeah, it was pretty good. Like, I think they were pretty happy with how everything was going right from the start, which was quite, yeah, encouraging for me. I didn't, I remember feeling really anxious in those scans because it's like your body is doing so much. And if it doesn't respond, it's like, it's high stakes. Like it's, it it really is. And so I did feel anxious. Like, what if it's not going to do what it's meant to do? Um, So yeah. It's like, it's all on you at that Oh, 100% yeah definitely it really yeah it was it was quite daunting but yeah they were pretty happy right from the beginning um things were starting to to work and you know the follicles were starting to grow so yeah did you feel fuller then because like you've been on lectrozole and you had like yeah. this ovulation induction yeah. medication did it feel different and feel fuller within your body yeah it you did so many growing yeah yeah it did I was really bloated like I took a couple of pictures and I was like man if I posted that someone would like people would definitely think I was pregnant like it was yeah it was um it was pretty yeah I know what you mean when you say heavy it's just like heavy it's just like this big sort of yeah I don't know it's like pressure yeah you can feel your ovaries and it's weird for people like that have never (laughs) been through this exactly yeah and I would describe it to people like you know when somebody else's body is getting ready to ovulate like your body's probably like trying to make one or two follicles right but my body is like trying to make as many as it can so imagine like the hormones and the emotions that are like going on with that because my body is trying to like literally do something that it's not actually made to do like without you know this is artificially happening (laughs) it's never going to happen naturally no exactly yeah so yeah I did feel really heavy but I I actually felt yeah actually okay just I think tired yeah yeah and how did the egg retrieval stage go yeah it went it went well I remember just being on the bed and just feeling like a real peace it was so weird because I got it wasn't a um local it was a sedation yeah sedation yeah so they sedated me and was right there next to me and it was like such a peaceful experience like I just remember like talking to them chatting away like I didn't I didn't feel any pain and you know Dee was holding my hand and um and the two other women I think there were three other um, women in the room and like I just loved that it was women it was just like man this is so amazing and like it's just so crazy like you, you look up and you're like how is this happening right now like this doctor is literally going through my vagina like cutting through the vagina wall taking out these tiny little you know eggs and then the um, embryologist through the wall is like counting them um, so I don't remember much but I do remember like the counting thing it's kind of fun yeah um, it is. and then yeah so afterwards I felt quite ill so they ended up having to give me a drip and then I felt amazing and oh my gosh they give you like toast and a cup of tea and it tasted like heaven when you've like been there by mouth for the whole morning yeah it was it, it went really well um and then obviously there's that time afterwards that you're just yeah nervous about how many eggs have they've taken out um so I think it was uh so on the scans beforehand they they noticed about 21 mm-hmm. 19 or 21 like a couple of them were quite small but they retrieved uh, sorry they collected 15 of them on the day so yeah I felt really um pleased with that mm. but yeah and then just rested for the rest of the day and 
yeah they um ended up saying that I was at risk of the OHSS so I wasn't allowed the fresh transfer but had to wait for the frozen so yeah I was quite gutted about that I, I kind of wished that I could have been told a nurse did tell me before that but if if she hadn't said that like we just wouldn't have known and I sort of wished that they told us a little bit more about that because that was quite you know you there's so much momentum building and you're like my gosh I'm gonna like have the embryo in a few days and then it's like no it's another you know cycle away it was quite gutting but yeah yeah definitely when they're scanning you right they could just be like oh yeah. there's 20 something here you're yes. likely looking for a frozen yeah. so you can to prepare yeah, yeah definitely because you do need to mentally prepare for those things so yeah so they had uh, then they let us know that 10 had fertilized and then there's the dreaded I think five day wait to find out and the embryologist had said on the phone that with 10 they they think about two or three of them will end up being there by day five and so so scary isn't it so scary yeah I just remember being like how the heck am I meant to get through these next five days like I was just like I find that harder than the two-week wait oh so did I yeah so did I because I there's definitely more at stake right like you've done all of this up to that point and like so much is riding on this and so on the Sunday morning I remember getting the call and I quickly ran outside to take it and on all the other phone calls I've been able to like you know if there's bad news just like compose myself and not cry but when she gave us the news and it was seven embryos out of 10 I just bawled my eyes out I was just so happy like it's probably out of all you know over three years of like bad news it was just like so nice just to have finally have some good news you know that my body done what I wanted it to do and yeah so one of them is a bit of a dud but I shouldn't say that but six of them are really good and then they had recognized one as being like really really good and that was the one that they decided they were going to implant sorry not implant transfer transfer cool so you went into a transfer after that yeah cycle yeah yeah so it was um a bit touch and go because on the Monday I got a a gastro and then on the Tuesday my husband tested positive for COVID so then I made the decision of Dietrich was like go and stay at a hotel for a couple of nights like stay away from me so I literally booked a hotel in the city spent two nights by myself it was bliss getting like room service and Uber Eats and yeah it was it was great and I managed to not get it so that was really good and then the nurses said that if I felt fine I could come in on the Thursday for the transfer so I did and brought my mum and yeah it's so fast I couldn't believe how fast it goes like it was like five minutes or less Yeah, and you've yeah. got a full bladder and you're like hurry up and then you're like yes. is that it oh, is that it done yeah 100% I think that's worse because it, it wasn't too painful for me it's just sort of similar I guess to like a, um, a pap smear but yeah it was it was really quick <laughs> yeah I mean it's funny going toilet afterwards because you feel like oh. you shouldn't be I know it is weird yeah yeah I felt like that after the IUI too because they're just like inseminated me with sperm I'm like and they said that like don't worry you're not going to pee it out but you still feel like that (laughs) yeah oh how were you feeling after the transfer and that two-week wait yeah I felt I tried to stay really positive like I um, was trying to eat really well and like do all the right things and drink pomegranate juice and eat pineapple and I had the fries on the way yeah. home um, and um, McDonald's fries and yeah I tried to do all those those sort of things I listened to uh, like what are they called uh, affirmations every night sort of you know IVF ones to be positive that you know it's going to implant and things like that so yeah I think overall I was quite positive I remember thinking oh my goodness how am I going to get through the next two weeks and like live a normal life because it is so you know daunting but um, yeah I we yeah I, I was staying pretty positive did you test at home like did you always plan on testing at home or were you going to wait for the I did 
But this is where I tried to trick everyone and tell them that I wasn't because I really, because I was like, this is going to (laughs) work. And I was like, I'm going to be able to find out myself and then surprise them because something that, you know, going through this takes away from you is being able to surprise people when you're pregnant, which is like quite gutting. So I was like, I'm going to do it secretly and then I'm going to be able to surprise them. And so, yeah, I did do a couple of secret tests, but I definitely didn't do like four days post or five days or anything like that. So I think I must have done it about nine or 10 days post transfer. And yeah, and it came back negative. And I kind of wish that I'd done it with Dietrich because then it wouldn't have been so hard, I guess. But then in a weird sort of way, I felt like I was almost sheltering him from that initial impact of finding out. It's so weird. But I thought, well, if I can... If I can tell him myself, then maybe in the days, this is so weird, but maybe in the days leading up, I can sort of say to him, hey, look, I, I don't think it's worked just to sort of like help like you, him not because he was so excited and he really thought that it had worked. And so I, I guess I wanted to shelter him from that initial impact of like this, you know, single line on the on the, on the the pregnancy test. So I eventually told him and, you know, we had a big cry and yeah, it was yeah, it was a really hard, pretty low time. Yeah, we just spent a lot of time together just processing it and slowly letting family and friends know. I, I remember it was actually really, it was quite hard letting people know, I think, because you just feel like, oh my gosh, like I'm just constantly giving people bad news. And I don't know, I try to be like a positive person, but I think, yeah, going through this, it's really hard to stay positive when you're just constantly getting bad news and then you're having to tell other people and then you almost feel like you've like I don't know gotta soften the blow for them too because you know it's hard for them like my parents and our families and yeah so it was it was really hard to process that but also um yeah again we felt really like loved and and held and like just people doing really sweet things like you know, sending flowers and taking me out for coffee or just things like that. It was just, yeah, really showed that people cared and, and actually did make a difference. I think sometimes people say things like, oh, like, I just don't know what to do or say, or like, I know this is hardly anything, but, you know, and I'm like, no, it's not. Like, it really means a lot. Like, even messages, people saying like, you know, I'm thinking of you or you're just on my mind today. And I just, it really does mean a lot. And yeah. So I think those things shouldn't be underestimated. I personally feel that, yeah, it's really made a difference. Yeah, it is often the small things that really help, right? Mm. Yeah. But again, people who haven't been through it don't know that. They they feel like they need to do a big gesture or yes. they yeah. don't want to contact you because they don't want to upset you. But it's like yeah. you're always thinking about it anyway. So they means yeah. Saying yeah. how are you doing or oh, thinking of you doesn't trigger you. You're already yeah. thinking about no, it. Exactly. It actually is helpful. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, definitely. One of my aunties who lives in Wellington, so isn't here to be with me, you know, face to face, but just every, you know, couple of weeks or week she would message me and it just meant so much that somebody is thinking of you, you know, because you sometimes think everyone else's lives going on, like people are having babies and buying houses and my life is just stagnant. It's just, you know, it's not moving forward. And then when somebody takes time out of their day to do that, it really does. Yeah. It sort of warms your heart. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you feel ready to go into another transfer straight away? Yeah, we did. Yeah we did feel like we wanted to do it straight away. I think we were sort of like, okay, we've built this momentum. We're just going to go straight ahead with it. So we decided to do a second embryo transfer. And so we did took the same medication, I think, Progonova mm-hmm. um, and another one that I can't remember the name of. And so I, yeah, I took that again. And then we went in for the scan to see uh, the check the thickness of my um, lining and then they also did a blood test that morning and when they did uh, the um, ultrasound they could see that the um, uterine lining was thick enough so I was like oh yeah like we're out of the woods like we're all good like this is going to go ahead and then that afternoon we got a call from fertility associates to say that crazily my body had 
ovulated too early and so I it was cancelled the cycle was cancelled and we were gutted like I honestly think we were just as upset as when the embryo transfer didn't work I don't know why it was just like oh just like I think probably just back to back disappointment and yeah I was grateful that we were together because we just really really mourned that I think yeah it just really upset us just again to just have bad news and so we decided to take a break from that so I guess the other part of our story is that earlier in the year so before we started IVF a beautiful mum came to us and asked if we would like to adopt their unborn baby and so obviously we were super honoured and taken aback I didn't think I'd ever be asked to do something like that such an honour and also a really a big decision obviously for both for all involved um so yeah so we decided to go ahead with the IVF cycle that we had already that we already had planned and then let the the mother know that you know if for some reason you're still and you're still having the same thoughts about us after that then by all means we'd love to talk to you about it but don't don't wait for us and so obviously the embryo transfer didn't work and um the one after that was cancelled and so yeah we decided to let the the mother know that we would be really really interested in adopting the little baby and so we spent the next couple of months processing that engaging with lawyers and meeting with the mum a few times and just really keeping in contact with her and yeah so that's been a really big part of this year I guess just um, because she told us earlier in the year and we've sort of had a few months to really think about it and yeah so I won't go into it too much just because I don't want to sort of expose the other people involved in the situation but at this point it's looking like it's not going to go ahead so yeah so that's been a really hard thing to process I think just with yeah everything else that we've been through the last few years it just felt like yeah another really hard pill to swallow so yeah you've naturally got excited about it right yeah you spent the last few months looking into what that looks like legally personally yeah with with the um, mother yeah Um, you're gonna get your hopes up that's just the place that you've got to these last couple months so yeah, yeah I'm really sorry that it's yeah not going ahead but I'm grateful that you're touching on it yeah because I think it has really played into these last few months for you guys and your story yeah no it has it it definitely has and I think it's got it's given us a good chance as well an opportunity to talk about some things that we hadn't really talked about in the past because you sort of talk about things like you know biology and like how important is that and I guess things that we probably hadn't thought about in in the past to such depth and so yeah I mean Dietrich and I both feel that we 100% could love another baby that's not biologically ours um that has come from our bodies like I just 100% know that we we could do that so you never know something else might happen later on down the track but at this stage we're just going to probably just take a break for the next couple of months and and process this news and yeah so it's yeah it's it's been really hard but also we just we just hope the best for this little baby whatever that looks like did that come about because you are open with your story yeah because of what you've been through that this mother was interested yeah yeah I think so yeah so so she did know a little bit about our story and yeah I think that probably would have fed into maybe her considering us and yeah I think and you know leading on to that I definitely have felt uh, because I didn't really share too much on my public Instagram um, but then decided I think last year to just make a, a private one that I just share things about fertility and um, infertility and share my thoughts and post kind of mind dumps and things like that and so that's been a really cool outlet for me just to I don't do a lot but it's just nice to know that there are people on there that you know want to listen or look when I have a wee vent so yeah I think that's been really helpful for me yeah it's an outlet right because like you've alluded to a couple times you haven't really had anyone 
directly in your life going through this so it yeah. is really hard and that need to connect is very mm -hmm. normal and mm -hmm. the urge to connect with people is yeah. really normal yeah um, so if that's the outlet that works for you then it's great that you found it yeah yeah definitely and it's crazy how you know something like Instagram can connect you know so many people like I feel like you know we, we've connected on there and I've got another couple of friends that I've really connected and have, have become friends you know through this going through this and it is so amazing because yeah I have an amazing support network and so many amazing friends and I have a couple of friends that have been through similar things but no one sort of currently and so I think that's been it's been tricky and so I think yeah, just having other people that really understand and that are doing it at the same time has just been so, yeah, encouraging and, yeah, really helpful in, in our journey. There's that journey word again that Corey loves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like we just have to make a word up to you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just wanted to touch on a little bit more about the unexplained Infertility oh, yeah. side of yeah. things and yeah. kind of how you feel about that and how that sat with yeah. you in these last couple of years. Yeah. So originally that sat with me fine. Like I was like, okay, yep, sweet. We've, we've got unexplained infertility. And then only literally in the last few months, I started to sort of have questions and think, how is it that two people that are seemingly like there's nothing wrong for either of us with all the tests that, have, that we've had and we've had pretty much all of them I mean I am waiting on that lap laparoscopy but how is it that it's been three years and literally all the different things that we've done like and we still don't have a baby and I actually saw randomly on TikTok this video the other day of this person sort of with the same sort of sentiment like no they just put you in this category because it's like almost like two hard baskets like nah we've exhausted all the tests that we can do and it was so weird it was like this light switched on in that moment and I was like oh my goodness like I feel like I was just um and I'm not like thinking this is some conspiracy or anything but like I just I really feel like hang on like how is this so that you know that we're just put in this camp and what are we just meant to stay in there and then and the other part of that is by being unex having unexplained infertility and being labeled as such we don't get public funding so that's the mm -hmm. other thing and so yeah so definitely in the last couple of months I've been like hmm so I don't really know what to do about that but I think yeah I do have some questions about that because it just doesn't really make sense when I think about it yeah it's really it would be really hard to process because you kind of alluded to it at the start when you were getting tests done you kind of wanted there to be an answer yes. and I think yeah. that's really natural like yeah. and, and that's really hard because you don't want something to be wrong but you also want an answer yeah and so it's really hard because how can you move forward with faith mm -hmm. that something's going to happen when you yeah. don't know what the reason is for it not I happening know. yeah yeah definitely no I feel exactly the same I did sort of sometimes think oh I wish that I just there was some art like I just wish in a way that something was wrong so that we could work with that which sounds a bit weird but I yeah at, at least maybe then we would have some answers and we could have some steps forward and things that we can work on but yeah just not having those answers is is really hard yeah and it's five years isn't it for trying to conceive with yeah. unexplained infertility yep. and then you have to yep. wait on the wait list yeah so it could five be years. five years and then you know the wait list could be 12 to 24 months on top of that so you could be like essentially trying for seven years before you and some people don't have seven years like you know I'm I'm 32 so I'm I'm not you know I'm sort of neither young or old but like I feel like for some people that's they don't have seven years I don't have seven years no that's <laughs> like, such I don't a long time yeah no emotionally you don't have have seven no. years but also a lot of people are starting to try later yeah um, yeah and, exactly and we literally just don't have the time or we're made to feel like we don't have that time yeah um, whether that's true or not yeah, um, yeah. Our science says it is but yeah no. yeah yeah no, I agree. Cool. is there anything else that you wanted to touch on or say before we wrap it 
no not really but I did really want to just yeah thank you for everything that um you and Lydia have done with the podcast and now obviously you taking it on as well for the um you know for the future but yeah it's just it really is amazing to have this kind of yeah platform to make everything that we go through I guess um, more accessible for other people people that are going through it to feel less alone and then also other people who might not understand to understand a little bit better so yeah so thank you you're welcome Hannah has been following and listening since day one (laughs) that's really it's really cool and I listened to one twice the 101 (laughs) I was so surprised how many people downloaded that I was like surely it's not going to get many it just performed like a normal episode I was like oh okay I love that that's so good Lydia did the same thing she's like oh is it still going to be are we still going to think it's good and she listened, yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, still good. It was even better than I remembered. I was like, I honestly learned stuff. <laughs> I like, I was like, oh, whoa, I did, she didn't know that. <laughs> well, it's so hard to take everything in in an episode. Like, yeah, I genuinely is. think listening again. Just, yeah, yeah, especially something that's more like factual. I say that yeah. because we're not actually qualified to talk about it, but you know, more <laughs> factual than um, yeah. people's experiences. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for being so open and wish you I do and I'm sure everyone listening wishes you all the best going forward thanks so much